All right, well, welcome everybody again. So glad that you are here joining us online today, whether you're on Facebook, wherever you are, hope, hopefully you've checked in and you've said hi, let us know that you're here, wherever you're joining us from today. So glad that you're here. And listen, just, just give a shout out. And if it's, your, if it's your first time ever checking out Skyline Church, uh, if you've never been in person, but you're joining us online, maybe for the first time, just let us know. We'd love to connect with you. We just, we just want to say thank you for spending part of your Sunday online with us here. Now, parents, don't forget, uh, we have two uh, different kids' worship experiences available uh, for you, for your family. Just hop over to skylinechurch.cc, and there's a button right there that says Sky Kids Online, and you can find two uh, different age-appropriate uh, kids' worship experiences. We've got that for you and for your family. And so, listen, we're, we're just so excited jumping in today. This is, uh, we're continuing our Fierce Jesus series, and we're just going to jump right in. So even if you're at home, grab something to write with, write on, take some notes on. You can jump onto the Bible app. If you've got like an old school Bible, paper Bible, you can get that out. But we're going to be in Mark chapter 2, and I'm going to be honest, like this, this passage preaches itself. You don't really need me today. Uh, I'm just here, so Jesus, I pray that I get out of the way, and uh, and Lord, people get to hear what they need to hear today uh, from your word, even if we're hard-headed, that we would get it. That's a that's an honest preacher's prayer right there. But here we go, Mark chapter 2, we're going to jump jump right in and read, read a handful of verses. It says this, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large, large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. You know, I wonder, what, what did their faith have to do with his sins? You know, I, I, I wonder, could, could it be that your life affects more than just your life? Because it says that when Jesus saw their faith, he said to him, son, your sins are for Is it possible that, that your example affects more than just your existence? Because it says that when Jesus saw their faith, he said, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who could forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he had said to them, why are you thinking those things? I love Jesus is so fierce. He wins imaginary arguments. Like he responds not to what they're saying. He responds to what they're thinking. Like he knows your intentions. He knows your motivation. Like you might be able to fool me, but you can't fool Jesus. That's how fierce he is. So he says, which is easier? To say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Like, this is amazing. This is incredible. We've never seen anything like this before. 
Now, what I want to do is I want to go back to verse 2. Because I, I, that, that's where I want to camp out for a little bit today. It says, they gathered in such large numbers that, that there was, so Jesus is here, there's such a large crowd that there's no room, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Quickly turn to whoever you're with this morning, whoever you're home with, your roommate, your spouse, your kids, whoever it is, turn to whomever you're there with and just say, hey, I got good news. And what I want to tell you is that you, you may have lost some things, you may have been hurt, you might have gotten disappointed, you might have been left down, but I want to tell you there's good news this morning. Look at them and say, there's another door. Come on, there, there's, there's another door. And before we jump into that other door, I actually, I actually want to start here. I want to, I want to lay a little bit of a foundation before we jump into, into what that means. And, and what I want to say is this, is that life's biggest opportunities aren't always obvious. Like, after the fact, they always seem obvious, but, but you're only an idiot for cutting Michael, My, Michael Jordan from the high school basketball team after the fact. Like, it, it's, it's, it's not a stupid decision in the moment. It wasn't obvious in the moment, but it is afterwards. And, and, and this, is, this is, like, thoroughly scriptural, God called Moses and said, Moses, I want you to, to deliver a nation. I'm calling you to deliver an entire people group. And Moses said, God, what's the, what's the sign that you're giving me? And God said, you're, you're the stick that you're holding in your hand. The, the stick that you're holding in your hand to, to shepherd the sheep is a sign that I'm, I'm going to give you. And, and, and what God will do is he'll point to your calling through something that you think is common. So God will disguise your calling as something common. He, he'll wrap in diapers and, and allow the Savior of the world to be born in a barn so much so that the people he came for didn't even recognize him. Because life's greatest opportunities are not always obvious. Listen, I, I don't want you to be deceived about your, your destiny. You may think that what you're doing in this present moment is common, but, but what it really is is it's pointing you towards your calling. You, you thought that Jesus was, was going to show up looking like Superman, but instead he showed up looking like a mustard seed. The seed doesn't look like the tree. It, it shares the same genetic code, but if you looked at the seed and you looked at the tree, it doesn't look like that they have anything in common, but, but might it be that what Jesus is doing in your life is not obvious? But it doesn't mean that there is an opportunity. Because listen, Jesus says, when I open a door, nobody can shut it. When, when I decide to do something in your life, no, no person, no circumstance, no demon in hell itself is going to be able to stop me. And Jesus will, he'll usually dress reward in responsibility. Like, he, he doesn't always just stick the reward right out in front of you. Like, like, David had no idea that Goliath was there waiting for him. All David knew was that he had some bread that he needed to go take to his brothers. But it was in his obedience to his responsibility that actually unlocked his opportunity. And if, but if he had sat back and waited for Goliath and sat back and waited for that opportunity to show up, he probably would have missed it. But it was in his assignment that the opportunity was waiting. And if that's true, it, it really gives new understanding to John chapter 11 where, where Jesus, we read that Jesus heard that Lazarus, his friend, was sick, but he chose to stay where he was for a little while longer. 
because Jesus understood and he knew that he was about to show all of the people in Bethany that resurrection is not an event, but it's a person. But if, if Jesus had shown up when everybody wanted him to and he, and he showed up and healed Lazarus, he wouldn't have had the opportunity to reveal who he is. And so his waiting, which seemed really cruel to, to Mary and to Martha, is actually the staging of a miracle. And when he gets there and he, he sees that Lazarus has been dead, it's actually a good thing. Because often resurrection dresses like death. So sometimes Jesus will, will let something die in your life. But don't forget that resurrection is who he is and it's what he does. And if you, and if you can get there and if, if you'll let the stone be rolled away and if you'll, you'll be there long enough, you'll hear a voice calling you or that calling or that situation up out of the grave. And the moment the one who is resurrection calls on you, the death clothes are going to have to just fall off of you. Because the one who is the resurrection in life calls things which are dead to come alive. So our greatest opportunities are not always obvious. So now back to Mark chapter 2. And in Mark chapter 2, we find that this is one of the first of five conflict dialogues that, that Jesus, this carpenter from Nazareth who's doing ministry in, in Galilee, he's confronting the wisdom of the world to help bring the wisdom of his kingdom. And so he's teaching one day, and, and so many people show up. The, the crowd is gathered, and you have to understand in Mark's gospel, the, the crowd is not always a good thing. We, we would think that if Jesus was going to build a ministry, that he would need a crowd. But he's so fierce that if the crowd got too big, he would just start running them off by saying things that were difficult. Like you read one time, and we've talked about it before, you read one time, Jesus fed everyone a big old meal, made them happy, and then they wanted to follow him, and the crowd got so big, he started saying things that didn't make sense. He said, oh, you wanted bread? No, no, you don't want bread. What you need to do is you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And everyone went, excuse me? I can't do that. Because the crowd isn't always what matters. And so the crowd there is listening to Jesus preach, and, and there are four men who, who bring their friend, and they can't get in because of the crowd. I imagine they showed up that day at that house with, with high hopes, but then they're met at the door, and they, they can't get in. And what I want to say today is that it, not in, in this story, but also in our lives, there's, there's four other doors that, that, that are present for, for you and for me and in our lives. And, and we have to understand, remember, life's biggest opportunities are not always obvious. And so I just want to talk about these doors. And so these four friends show up with their, with, with their friend on the mat, and they get to the front door, and they can't get in. And, and this door represents disappointment. How disappointing it must have been. They get all the way. They carry their friend only to get to church, find out that you can't get in. Now, not only is there no room, there's, there's no room in the lobby, there's, there's, no room, there's no room out of the door, they can't get in. So these men are, are, are met with, with disappointment. And listen, if they had subscribed to the same theology that I think many of us live according to, they would have turned around and gone home because obviously it wasn't God's will for their friend to be healed that day. Because if it was God's will, I, I would have gotten in the door if it were God's will for, for my friend, it would have been easy for us to get to, get to Jesus. But, but these guys, like I, I wonder, is there anybody out there who's a little bit crazy? 
Are there, are there four people who, who are crazy and they said, hey, we didn't carry you all the way here just to turn around and go home now. And so they're met with disappointment, not even to mention their friend's disappointment who's on the mat. Now, he's gotten used to it. His whole life has been a disappointment. He can't go where other people go. He can't do what other people do. He can't, uh, he can't have a job. He can't do any of the things that anybody, he can't walk. He can't get around. But they've come this far, and, 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 and they didn't get here just to turn around and go home. Listen to me. You did not come this far just to turn around. And they get an idea, and I imagine they had a little, a little side conversation, like, hey, I don't, I don't know if you know this, but there, isn't, there really isn't anybody around back. And I think that, that if maybe, if, maybe if, if no one was looking, maybe we could go up. And they say, what do you mean up? Yeah, up. Like we, can, we, can, we could hoist them, hoist them around. And I imagine they tried to maybe keep this plan a secret from their, from their buddy who's on the mat. Like, hey, don't, don't tell them what we're going to do, but we're going to. We're going to hoist them all the way up on the roof, and then, and then we're going to drop them. Because and, and, and if, if we can't, listen, if we can't get in this door, maybe we go up. If I can't get in right where I'm at, maybe I, because listen, sometimes you got to get on a different level. You, you spend so much time looking at your circumstance or your situation or your calling from the same perspective, but maybe sometimes the reason you couldn't get in that door is because that door wasn't meant for you. Jesus is calling you to something higher. The, the reason you got rejected is because there was the wrong level of relationship. And if those people had accepted you and loved you and liked you, it might have actually pulled you away from your, from your calling. And so they, they get up on the roof and there's not a door there, but, but they make a door. Sometimes you got to make a door. Uh, some, sometimes one of, the, one of the best things that could happen in your life is you get turned away from the front door. Why? Because you're going to learn how to dig. You're going to learn how to discover another door, another way in. And that door is not just for normal people. It's not just for people who want to quit. It's not just for people who say, oh, this is too hard. This is too difficult. But it's for people who are determined that no matter what I'm facing, no matter what's going on in my life, I'm going to get close to Jesus. So I think, I think we have like a, 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 a frou-frou idea of faith. We, we think of faith as something that we fall back on, but, but Mark, Mark has a different idea. Mark, Mark only mentions faith four times in his gospel. And never once does it represent an attitude. It always represents action. Faith to Mark is, is something that you can see. It's, it's, this, it's, it's something that you can see in response to something you can't see. Right, that's what scripture says, that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. It's something that I can see in response to a hope that I can't see. So Mark chapter 2, verse 5, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, not when Jesus heard their faith, not when he heard them talking about how much faith they have or how much they, when he saw, when he saw that they were not going to quit and they weren't going to go home early. Church, listen to me. It could be really easy right now in this season, in this moment, for us to turn around and go home. And say, this is too hard. This is weird. I'm watching online. I don't know what to do. This isn't how we do things. But hey, let's, what if we let Jesus see our faith? What if we took action? What if we lived it out? What if we loved others? What if we provided for people? Like, let others see it. It's a season where I can't have 
all the things I normally want, but let's make sure that people have the things that they need. Let's let our faith rise up and be determined that in a world that right now is filled with worry and anxiety, in a world searching for hope, that we would be the answer. Don't turn around. Don't go home yet. Let's be a movement. We, we have an opportunity right now to, to be a movement, to be a movement of Jesus, a movement of his kingdom, a movement of his love, a movement of his grace. Come on, you, you might not like that. It might sound like, Pastor, that's too much. It's not safe. This is not my thing. It's okay. We only need a few people, a few people who, who won't turn around so easy. So all you need is four good friends. Come on. All you need is four Good friend, who, who cares if everyone else didn't believe in you? Who cares if they told you no? Who cares if they said you can't? If they told you you're not enough? Come on, you, need, you just need four good friends. Someone who's going to say, I, I, I'll make a way. If there's not a door, I'll get somewhere else and I'll, I'll make a door. I'm not going to give up that easy. If you can't get in the front door, it might take some faith, but you can find another door. Why? Because it's something you can see in response to something you can't see. So in verse 5, we, we see Jesus is preaching. And I can only imagine that, that all of a sudden there's this, there's this distraction overhead. Like, and it wasn't on Jesus' agenda that day to heal people or to see sick people. He was teaching. But sometimes life's are, uh, uh, opportunities are not obvious. Sometimes Jesus' greatest invitations show up in the form of an interruption. Any, anybody else feeling interrupted right now? Any, anybody else feeling like your life just got, inter- your plans got interrupted? What, what if this was actually one of Jesus' greatest invitations for you? For you to reprioritize your life. For you to realign with him. To slow down. Get some things right. But what if this is one of Jesus' greatest invitations for his church? To rely on him like never before, to, to be full of his spirit like never before, to, to, to purify his church like never before, to turn his church into a movement of his kingdom like it was designed to be. And so Jesus is preaching, and honestly, he's probably crushing it. Honestly. I mean, I, I'm just basing that off context. If, if Jesus is the word and he's preaching the word, chances are he's doing a great job. And so he's sitting there, and he's, there's a big crowd. He's preaching. All of a sudden, from above him, there's, there's a noise, and then some dirt starts falling in. And I imagine some of the disciples are like, hey, maybe we should go check out what's happening. Like, this roof looks like it's getting ready to, to, to fall in. And so all of a sudden, a, a, a door opens up in this, in this roof, and a man on a mat begins to get low. And I imagine this. They... Who knows how much rope they had? They probably had to drop him at some point to get him down to the floor. And, and I imagine Jesus looking up at him saying, hey, I, I love your style. I, I can relate. Because, because when I came down to you, I came through all the muck and the mess and the shame and the guilt so that I could get to you. I like your style. That You're not letting anything get in the way. And so now they're all watching. He gets down on the, on the floor, and the, and the man on the mat is there, and they're leaning, and Jesus leans, in, leans into the man, and he says, Son, your sins are forgiven. 
And I can imagine one of his friends leave, leans over to there and goes, what, what did he say? And he goes, I, I, th- I, think, I think he said something about, about, about forgiving his sins. Okay, but, but did, he, did, he, did he mention anything about him being healed? I said, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think so. I think he just said something about like his sin. Okay, that, that's great, but it's great that he, that he forgave his sins. But while, while he's here, could you just heal him anyway? Because his, his friends didn't bring him to Jesus to have his sins forgiven. His friends brought him to Jesus so that he could be healed. So the question really is this. What do you do when Jesus bypasses what you want to give you what you need? Because the, mo- the, mo- the most obvious thing to have done in that moment would be to heal that man. But before, sometimes before Jesus can do what's obvious, he, he wants to do a work within you. So that when he does change your circumstances, you'll actually be ready to receive it. You see, because in the Jewish mind, they, always, they, they tied together the, the, the idea of sin and suffering were highly connected. And so most people would have thought that this paralyzed man was that way because of sin. But Jesus dispels this in John chapter 9 when a man who is born blind brought, is brought to him. And Jesus says, it's not because this man has sinned, but he was born this way so that my glory might be revealed in him. And so sometimes Jesus says this, listen, before I do anything for you, I want to do something in you. And that's where it takes faith to to know that God is working. And I thank God that that in this story that, that this man had friends who believed for him what he might not have been able to believe for himself. If I if I was if I was a youth pastor again, I'd preach it this way. I would say, who are your four? Like you you got to have the right four, because the wrong four might have left you at the door. Are the, are the ones closest to you getting you closer to Jesus or, or pushing you further away? But in reality, the, those four men aren't the primary heroes of this story. Uh, other than Jesus, the, the most important people are the people who actually doubted him. Now, I want, to make sure you, I want to make sure you see this. I want to make sure you don't miss it because it could radically change the way that some of us see your resentments in life. Because when Jesus saw what the friends of this man did, he forgave them. He forgave his sins, but he was still on the mat. But when Jesus heard the thoughts of the critics... When, when, when the haters hated what Jesus has done, that was the thing that got the man healed. What his friends did got him forgiven, but what the critics thought actually got him healed. So has anybody ever doubted you? Walked away from you? Stopped supporting you? Walk away when it got tight? You might just want to thank Jesus right now because sometimes he'll use G- Judas more than he uses Peter. It's messy. But I I thank God for my pain. I thank God for my disappointment. Why? Because he's going to use it. And that's the next door. It's the door of opposition. Opposition. One time, the Apostle Paul said he was staying in Ephesus for a little bit longer. And he was staying there because there was a great and effective door of ministry that God had opened. You know how he said he knew there was an open door? It's because there were many who were opposing him. He, he knew there was a great opportunity because there were many who were, the, the reason that I know Jesus is working is because the enemy is so busy and he wouldn't be so busy if Jesus wasn't in what I'm doing. 
So thank him for the conflict. Thank him for that thorn because his grace is sufficient. Because if there had been no haters, there would have been no healing. If you hadn't experienced weakness, you would never experience strength. If you, if you hadn't experienced resistance, you wouldn't be so resilient. But the opposition proves the opportunity. Listen, stop, stop blaming the people who didn't believe in you and stop and write them a thank you note. Because <laughs> Jesus will use critics sometimes to wipe away all that self-sufficiency. Because if everyone's, if everyone's doing this, yay, you got it. The crowd's not always your friend. And Jesus, listen, Jesus is preaching. Nothing can stop it. He uses opposition to bring healing. What's Jesus using in your life right now that you're actually trying to get away from? There's another door. There's a third door. And this door is obedience. And so there's disappointment. There's opposition. And then there's obedience. And it's the, it's the kind of obedience that has to trust Jesus in an impossible situation. Because what the friends did got him forgiven. But there was something that this man had to do in order to be healed. Now listen to me, we're saved by faith. By grace, through faith alone in Jesus, it's a gift of God so that none of us could ever boast. But listen to me, don't, don't miss this. Faith expresses itself through works. Don't sleep here. It's your faith expressed in Jesus. And Jesus said, hey, so, so that, that, that you know that it, it's, it's actually no longer about you. It's, no long, it's not even about your dysfunction anymore. It's not about your limitations. It's, it's bigger than you. Do, do what you can't do. Do what you've never been able to do. Jesus, my, the, the proof of my power and presence is going to be you doing something very practical. Something everyone else already does. Get up. Take the thing that carried you in. What you came in on, you are going out with. And instead of it holding you, you are going to be holding it. Come on. Some of us are still lying on that mat and you've got resurrection power inside of you. But you got to walk it out. That man came in through the roof, but guess what? He left out the same door that he couldn't get in when he showed up. And so what, I'm, what I would want to say to you today, what I would want to declare to you today, is if you will get up, you can get up. If you will forgive, you can forgive. If you will be whole, you can be. Now listen, I'm not saying that the mat is going to go away, but you won't have to spend the rest of your life laying on it and blaming others for the, for the condition that you're in. So get up in front of everybody. Think about the, the courage needed. Because the people watching weren't cheering for him. They don't like the fact that he interrupted. And they don't like the fact that Jesus said he could forgive sins. And so now he's got to walk 
out of a room in front of people. Now, now listen, most of us took our first steps in front of people cheering us on, but he's got to do it in the face of conflict. He's got to do it in the face of doubt, in the face of critics, in the face of people who don't even want him there. Are you willing to stand up and walk in the face of adversity, in the face of weakness, in the face of everything that's been facing your entire family, your whole life? Will you get up? you become a door because when Jesus wants to show someone who he is he usually picks somebody with an issue and he wants to show you who he is through you and that's another door the door of revelation because the, the people there were not amazed when the roof came off, but when the man got up. They weren't even amazed that Jesus is preaching, but it was when the man picked up his mat and walked. There are some of you listening today, you're about to become a door for people to see Jesus through your life. And here's who Jesus will normally pick. The people who have been paralyzed, but who have made the decision that I am not gonna let I, I'm not, I may not get rid of my issue, but my issue isn't going to keep me from Jesus. There's another door, and when you've done all you can do, when you've tried all that you can try, and the self-help isn't helping, and the truth is that you've given up on yourself, come on, I feel like I can be those four men for you today and help carry you to the feet of Jesus, because Jesus is not your average preacher. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the resurrection. Shepherd, and he is the true vine. And in John 10, 9, as he gets ready to say who he was, he says this, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and go out and find pasture. So listen to me. If you want to come in, come in. If religion has locked you out, Jesus says, come in. If your sins have kept you out, Jesus says, come in. I am the door. And because I am the door, Nothing's going to come into your life without it first going through me. And so I've, I've allowed some things that you don't like. I've allowed a season that you didn't plan on. I've allowed people to walk out that you never imagined would. Don't let them paralyze you one more day. All I'm asking you to do is to walk through the storm. All I'm asking you to do is be obedient. You don't have to be perfect. But Jesus said, I am the door. Your, your ex-husband isn't. Your dad who wasn't there isn't. Your own opinion of yourself is not it. But Jesus said, I am the door. 
And when I open up a door, no mistake, no sickness, no situation, even if they set a stone in front of it to seal it, nothing is going to stop it. And when I speak, Jesus would say, get up. I am resurrection power. In fact, right now, wherever you are, stand up. Stand up. In your house, stand up. Whoever you're with, stand up. I don't want you to miss this moment right here. As we get ready to finish, stand up. Turn to the person next to you and say, there's another door. There's, there's, there's another door. Listen, I have, I have a, an announcement for you today. This is not for, we don't do this for entertainment. Do this for, listen, you are standing at an open door and it's open, but it's not always obvious. And it might not always look like a door. It looks like a ceiling. It looks like disappointment. It, it looks like religion, teachers of the law. It looks like opposition. It looks like a, a, a command to do something that you've never done before, but it looks like obedience. It looks like Jesus. It looks like revelation. Your door, listen, it might not have been what you planned, and I know that it's been disappointing, and it's okay to be disappointed, but don't die in it. Don't die in an open door. Maybe it's not who, maybe it's not what, maybe it's not how, maybe it's not when you expected it, but there is another door. Be full of faith, because what Jesus opens for you, no man can shut. And Jesus says this, behold, I stand at the door knocking. Jesus said, I stand at the door, and that's me knocking. I, I, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get your attention through the circumstances of your life. That's me. I'm knocking, and if you open it, I'll come in. Right now, wherever you are, head bowed, heart open. And if you're feeling full of faith, just put your hands up right now where you are. There are some of us listening today, and right now, you need a relationship with Jesus. And that's him at the door. It's not a preacher. It's not an emotion. The thing stirring inside of you, the, the thing causing you to be uneasy in this moment, the thing that maybe you've never felt before, it's the Spirit of God and if you're far from Jesus and you hear him knocking all you gotta do is believe because it's by grace through faith here's what I want to do I want to actually want to lead us in a prayer today so every head bowed every heart open if today right now the Holy Spirit's prompting you. If you want to come back home to Jesus, or maybe you want to come home to Him for the very first time, no matter where you are, here's what I want you. I want you to repeat this prayer right after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And today, I make Jesus the Lord of my life. I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead 
and I confess that Jesus is Lord and I believe I am saved. This is my new beginning. Now listen to me, if you just prayed that prayer, maybe for the first time ever, for the, for the first time in a long time, I wanna, I wanna say something to you, I wanna say, welcome home to the family of God. Jesus stands with arms wide open today to welcome you home and saying, son, daughter, I love you. I cherish you. I shed my blood for you. Welcome home today. Because he stands at the door knocking, ready for you. Now listen. One of the things we always say here is this. One of the worst things in the world you could do would be inspired to make a decision and then not take a step forward to do anything about it. So here's what I want you to do right now. If you prayed that prayer, either for the first time ever or maybe for the first time in a long time, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to, if you're on Facebook, just, just make a comment and say, hey, I prayed that prayer, that was me because we want to pray for you. If you're on our online platform, hit that button that says salvation or rededication and, and let us know because we want to pray for you. We want to welcome you home into the family of God today. In fact, church, wherever you are right now, let's just give Jesus a round of praise right now and welcome home all the people who made a faith decision today. Jesus, you are good. You're the good shepherd. You laid down your life for me. When I couldn't get to you, you came to me. When I was dead in the grave, you reached down and brought me back to life. Jesus, we thank you today for your faithfulness. We love you. Amen. 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 Well, church, thank you so much for joining us online today. We're so glad that you're here. Listen, we would love to connect with you, pray for you. Just so glad that you're here. Really quickly, one last thing. Something we always do when we gather is we have an opportunity to give. Now listen, if you're, if you're new with us, if you're checking us out, listen to, listen to me, we don't want anything from you. We really just hope that this online experience was a gift, it was, that it was refreshing, life-giving, hope-giving for you. But listen, if you call Skyline Church your home, all we ever ask is that you ask Jesus what you should give and then just be obedient to that. Now listen, I know that we're not gathering live like we normally do, and I know that many of us give in person. But what I want to encourage you to do in this season is set up some online giving. Give online. You can give right from your smartphone. You can text the amount that you want to give to 84321 and then just follow the prompts from there. Now, church, listen to me. We have an unprecedented opportunity in this season while we're meeting in homes and meeting in our living rooms and gathering online. Listen to me. The, our city is ripe for the gospel. Our city is ripe to experience the tangible love and generosity of God. So when you give, listen to me, when the church, when you give and you are generous in God's house, God's house can be generous to our city. Listen, we're going to have opportunities to feed people, to care for people, to bless people, to meet needs. So church, I just want to encourage you, continue 
to be faithful and generous to God's house so his house can be generous to this city. Thank you so much. Here's what I want to do. I just want to, we sang a blessing. I just want to give us a blessing as we leave today. If you're able to, just put your hands up and just receive this today. I pray that our Heavenly Father would reveal Himself to you, would surround you, would protect you, and would cause His good face to shine upon you, your family, your children, until we gather together again. In Jesus' name, amen church. Stay connected with us on social media throughout the week, and we'll see you next Sunday at 11 a.m. for our live worship experience. Love you all.